0: The following is a hoop ball presentation.
1: Well, Hoop Ball Nation, Hoop Ball Lakers family, I'm not going to lie, it's tough to sit here and say I'm currently as impressed with the Lakers as I was when we last spoke to you. But a tough loss to Golden State has the Lakers no longer as the league leaders in terms of the overall record. On that semi-somber note, the Lakers are still 11-4. and So welcome into the Hoop Ball Lakers podcast, J.C., tough loss to the Warriors. I feel like I'm still feeling it two days later.
2: Yeah, I mean, it was a tough loss. I kind of called it a little bit just because the Lakers, as good as they've been defensively, they have a hard time with uh, really high-scoring backcourts. And, I mean, Steph Curry by himself is a high-scoring backcourt, uh, regardless of who the other guard that is that Golden State puts out. And so, yeah, he had a great game. They had a great comeback. They, they did what the Warriors do. It was, it was frustrating.
1: It was extraordinarily frustrating. And as we were just discussing prior to getting this podcast going, Her Stats LLC, JC... It was the first time in 284 home games that LeBron and his team have took a double-digit lead into the fourth quarter and lost in regulation. Now, just some quick estimated math. We're talking like seven years here. So, obviously, this is quite a feat if you want to look at it like that. But my main takeaway, and I tweeted this from our at Lakers account right after the game, is... The Lakers just basically decided this game was over before it truly was. They only scored 49 points in the second half after putting up 64 in the first. And basically it was a tale of two halves in which the Warriors thoroughly outplayed the Lakers in the second half and in particular the fourth quarter. And it was just it was again that effort piece, which is something we've mentioned, despite the overall shiny 11 and four record. So I felt like it was a bit of a step back from that pedal down defensive identity.
2: Yeah, the 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 lazy half has usually been the first half for them. you know, throughout the season, it was really the kind of the first time they had a really great first half, and they just kind of let the lead slowly slip away as as the game went on. Yeah, you know, Andrew
1: Wiggins was effective for the Warriors in this game, and you know he's having a uh, a decent season for them. And it's weird to think that he actually might be the better player in the in the D'Angelo Russell Andrew Wiggins trade, but. Looks that way at least at times right now Obviously Steph Curry wasn't exactly electric, but he came through when it mattered and Kelly Oubre despite continuing to struggle from three He was effective in the game. He shot 50% overall had 23 points So, you know, I just felt like the Lakers could have done a little bit more defensively obviously, but offensively JC it's gonna be hard for the Lakers regardless of who else on is on this roster If LeBron and A.D. combine to shoot 12 of 32 from the floor, 2 of 9 from 3, and 10 of 15 from the foul line. I mean, if they make their free throws, the Lakers win this game.
2: Yeah, it's just kind of one of those things where, you know, when it comes down to the playoffs, it's why they're still such a huge favorite because LeBron and A.D. are not going to have those types of games, you know, four out of seven times. And so, yeah, he's going to turn in, you know, kind of a dud every now and then. And unfortunately, that that was one of the times.
1: Took away from a really great uh, start in particular, but a good overall game from Dennis Schroeder. 25-5 boards, three assists, two steals for Schroeder on a nice 8 of 15 uh, from the field. Still struggling from the three-point line, so he'd like to see that a little bit more. Are you surprised? You know, I was just kind of reading back the box score after the game and then again today. I'm just a little surprised that KCP only took three shots and that he only played 23 minutes here.
2: Yeah, he he took a really kind of aggressive uh, step back three right in Draymond's face early in that first quarter, and it just kind of, it shows you where he's at with his confidence level this season, and so I thought that was going to mean he was going to end up having a really great game, and you just didn't really see anything beyond that first shot that was that was really exciting to see.
1: Yeah, and, I, and I'm not sure, in terms of the play time, I'm not exactly sure how it shakes out, but you know, Wesley Matthews got 15 minutes in this game, and, you know, I, I like Wes Matthews, and he's fine and well, but if 10 of those minutes went to KCP, or even 8 of those minutes went to KCP, you know, I think it might be for the betterment of the team, because I think he's such, again, just a piece to that identity, and, you know, the, the bench, you like what you see from Kyle Kuzma in terms of rebounding the basketball, I mean, he's continuing to be that guy for the Lakers, offering something way beyond scoring, Montrez doing his thing, but not a lot of help outside of that off the bench uh you know except for caruso who's not exactly an offensive juggernaut so again it comes down to ad and lebron for me forget the rambling it's ad and lebron 12 of 32 here i gotta put the blame on on the shoulders that wear the crown right or some sort of expression like that (laughs) but i digress jc because you know 11 and 4 is still 11 and 4 and despite you know all of the things that we all saw in this game i think the lakers absolutely saw it themselves. Probably watched it again on tape, and they're prepared to move on. So as the Lakers move on Thursday, finally the Lakers are back in action. It's been nice to sort of get a brief brief pause you know, for the team because they've been playing such a compact schedule. But a big game against the Milwaukee Bucks, obviously a, a team that's going to be hyped up to play the Lakers. This is a team that could potentially present some problems for the Lakers as well. Drew Holiday, Chris Middleton on the perimeter – and obviously Giannis and AD matchup is a juicy one. What do the Lakers need to do to sort of, you know, put their stamp on this game early? And what do you expect to see in this one?
2: Um, well, you've got to limit Drew's scoring opportunities. And so, you know, depending, you know, he hasn't exactly been lighting up the scoreboard because you've got Giannis and Chris Middleton there. But he has had some games where he's done that. So you're going to you have to kind of mitigate his production there. I think Giannis is going go, to kind of go off for you know, what he's going to go off for, and him and AD will probably cancel each other out. And so you also kind of have to limit Chris Middleton's production. and this is, this is where KCP will probably be a more valuable piece defensively.
1: I'm curious to see if they decide to defend LeBron with Drew. Drew's always been a great defender, even going back to high school. I remember wa- like, literally watching him in high school. I mean, he's always been that player at every level, so I'm curious to see if they do that, but overall, I think the Lakers need to come out and sort of make a statement, for lack of a better way to say it, and I know that's kind of generic, but again, too many instances this season for me in which these teams that are far inferior to the Lakers either come back on them, or they let them hang around, and they wind up losing, or some sort of combination of that, you know, and I'm not... I'm not feeling that energy. So I know 11-4 and 4 champagne problems, and that's all fine and good. But I really need the Lakers to come out strong in this one, and, and LeBron and AD in particular. And as the Lakers you know, progress forward, I think because they're not going to play a team every night that's quote-unquote a competitor in terms of talent level, they're going to need to harness a certain energy, and it only benefits them when they play those tougher opponents like Milwaukee.
2: Yeah, they th- their schedule up until this point has been a, l- a little bit on the easier side except you know the exception of like the Clippers early in the season. Uh so yeah, they they definitely need to have a statement game even though those Rockets wins were what uh, Frank Vogel called identity wins with how great they were defensively. You need to do that against a team that that's that's going to make a lot of noise in the playoffs even if it's on the Eastern Conference.
1: Yeah, and I think you know you make an, a good and important point in that an identity win is not necessarily a statement win, right? Like They could be great defensively, but also you expect the Lakers to sort of beat the Rockets in that state by 15 or 20 points. So that said, I think the Lakers, if they perform against Milwaukee as they are capable of doing, it'll sort of reassert themselves as that echelon in the league. I know that might sound dramatic. I don't mean to oversell it, but... You know, that's sort of how I view this opportunity for the Lakers. And, you know, I, I think it's, you know, Frank Vogel is going to continue to sort of experiment in terms of who fits where and, and what kind of combinations work. I did like seeing the Trez-AD combination uh, in the previous game against Golden State. I was curious about Markeith Morris's role, only six minutes versus the Warriors, a team that you think Markeith could have a bit of an expanded role. Especially when Marcus Sol only plays sixteen minutes, so I'm just I'm curious to see how Frank Vogel continues to shuffle those pieces because it feels like somebody has to be the odd man out here.
2: Yeah, and and the the front court matchup could be a trickier one against Milwaukee. Like Brooke Lopez is probably going to drag Marcus out to the three point line, and so defensively he may not have as big of an impact. Uh, and you know Brooke, Brooke Lopez could probably defend Marcus pretty well. Also, And so, yeah, I don't know if Trez is for, is formative enough to, to defend Brook Lopez. And, and same thing. I mean, Brook Lopez is going to take Trez out to the three-point line, and so that might limit his effectiveness. Uh, so it's it'll be interesting to see.
1: No doubt about it. And, you know, no matter what happens against Milwaukee, the Lakers are going to have a different sort of test immediately on their schedule. After that, they turn around Saturday, play the Chicago Bulls, Bulls now have Lowry Markinen back. Zach Levine is playing exceptionally well right now. I am certainly not his biggest fan, but he is certainly playing well, so credit to him. And we'll get into just a little bit of you know any teams or players that are uh, in particular impressing you around the league in just a little bit here, JC. I wanted to surprise you with that quick curveball there. But Zach Levine is playing well. Markinen is back. The Bulls are clearly a hungry team. Kobe White, obviously this is a game that I look at for the Lakers and say the Bulls are going to come out and play like it's the championship.
2: Yeah, for sure. They've already played the Lakers tough once this season. And when they had a lot of players out with COVID and a lot of those players have come back now. And so, yeah, and Zach Levine's been playing really well. He's He's got a little bit of the James Harden situation going on to where he doesn't exactly seem super happy in Chicago. And so – you know, he he could either showcase his skills by having really great games or he could just kind of pout and, on the court and, you know, the Lakers have already kind of dismantled one team with an unhappy superstar and so that could happen again in Chicago.
1: Levine is averaging a career high in points at 27.4, a career best in field goal percentage, 49.8. He's shooting basically 39% from three, 86% from the free throw line, five boards, five and a half assists. I mean, he's definitely doing it all for Chicago right now. Obviously, that's not necessarily translating into the Bulls being, you know, the team I think so many want them to be right now but they're still incredibly young. I do like some of their their younger players, and I think they've got an interesting mix. But I think you're right, too. Levine is, uh, I think he needs further evidence that his long-term future is in Chicago, and that's sort of where I'll leave it. So we'll see what happens in that one, JC. And and in terms of that game, because of the Kobe white Zach Levine dynamic duo, we'll call them, you talked about on our last episode that the Lakers sort of have problems with explosive guards or explosive backcourt pairings. Do you think that's going to present itself versus the Bulls here? Uh,
2: I think it could, just because Zach Levine's been playing really well.
1: And obviously KCP probably gets on Levine. So who takes Kobe White? Is that a shrewder assignment in your opinion? Uh,
2: Yeah, and, and I believe uh, – well, now I can't remember if KCP was back during the first uh, matchup with the Bulls. But, yeah, I mean he would – he would handle the bulk of the assignment versus uh, Zach Levine. And, yeah, Schroeder uh, would have to guard Kobe White.
1: And that's why I think, you know, again, just not to harp on the KCP point, J.C., but I feel like he's so important to this team. And the fact that he plays, like, 23 minutes like he did the other night, I just – I don't – I can't get over that. I don't, I don't think that's the right move for this team. So I need to see more of KCP. And, you know, the Lakers are – again, I think they're going to experiment, but I need to see more KCP. All right j c so we talk we talked about the upcoming couple games we're talking about Zach Levine my question for you and i'm gonna I know it's a little bit to put you on the spot here but are there any teams or players in particular that have just sort of impressed you and it could be for any random reason right they don't need to be screaming out of the box score or off off the stat sheet but just any
2: particular players and as to reason or reasons why um yeah i will I'll be the first to admit that I was probably wrong and to a little, a little bit and underestimating a lamella ball i didn't think i knew he was a talented passer i knew he's a talented ball handler uh really tall for a point guard so i knew all of those intangibles were there i didn't think he had the maturity to be a good defensive player and he's still not a great defensive player but i thought i thought he would be a disaster defensively and he's not exactly that um he's he's playing pretty well he still has kind of a weird looking jumper the way Lonzo did when he first got into the league but he somehow makes it work and it's effective and uh yeah I think he's uh right now he's kind of running away with that rookie of the year
1: I think he'll be unanimous rookie of the year and I I don't I don't think it should he really even be close I mean he probably should have gone number one overall I, I said that the other day and you know if the Wolves were were at all influenced by that decision in terms of the presence of D'Angelo Russell. I feel like, like that's just the wrong logic. So, you know, I I am all aboard the LaMelo ball train. I think he is the best one of the bunch and I don't think it's particularly close. Um, so that's, that's sort of where I'm at on LaMelo. I I know I'm enjoying him in one fantasy basketball league in particular, where I think I stole him in the ninth or 10th round. So that's been fun to enjoy. That's a great pick. I think one of the guys for me, that I have to point to in sort of a a weird way, not necessarily the most positive light, I'll get back to the positive, but in a weirder light, is Devin Booker. I I really thought that the Chris Paul acquisition by the Suns would help Devin Booker sort of free up on opportunities, and, and that synergy would seem to be going a little bit better. Devin Booker obviously got used to playing on the ball extensively over the last few years, and I think last year in particular. It's not that he's having a bad season, but he's not taking that next step forward, I think, like so many wanna wanted to see, including probably the Suns.
2: Yeah, I haven't watched a lot of him this season, but from, I mean, yeah, it, it's been kind of out of sight, out of mind, and it's probably for a good reason I haven't seen or heard very much from him this season, despite the fact that they've got a winning record. I mean, you know, his
1: field goal percentage is down just, you know, a few ticks, right? 48.9 to about 46 this season. He's down, you know... A, not even a percent from three so it's it's not as if you know his numbers have fallen off a cliff obviously the suns have gotten better around him i don't mean to sit here and pick on devin booker right like the suns have gotten better around him chris paul jay crowder cameron johnson's taking a step forward it's not like the suns are bare of talent these days so it's not a knock on him i just thought that chris paul's presence would allow devin booker to really shine so i guess i'm just I'm I'm a little bit surprised by that. So I started negative. I feel like I have to go positive immediately, J.C. I'm sorry. I'm going to go the snake approach. You got one. I'm going to get two before I boomerang it back to you. And I have to say that, you know, Keldon Johnson is a guy for me who I just absolutely love watching play. And I feel like he could be on the Brandon Ingram trajectory in terms of his development. And, you know, I'm obviously a huge Ingram guy, so I don't say that lightly. I, I really like Keldon Johnson of San Antonio. And that's a local guy for you.
2: Uh, yeah, he's been playing really great. Uh, he's he's had a couple of really good uh, good games, and he's he's pretty fun to watch.
1: He really is, and I think, you know, for the Spurs, obviously at this stage of sort of where they are as a franchise, they should be emphasizing those younger guys. And You know, largely that's what Popovich is doing. DeRozan is obviously, you know, taking upon more of a uh, facilitating role despite his, you know, still ability to score. LaMarcus Aldridge is sort of there, I guess, uh, for lack of a better way to say it. But, you know, for me, Kelvin Johnson is a guy who could really be a chance to be something special in this league. So, you know, if, if he's going to be in any player development system, I'd bet on the Spurs 100 times out of 100, wouldn't you?
2: Oh, yeah, for sure.
1: Of course. So, all right, JC, so those are my two guys, at least initially. Do you have anyone you want to boomerang it back around to or remember any team for whatever reason?
2: Uh, I mean, the Cavaliers. Cavaliers are a really fun team to watch. They had a really great win tonight against Brooklyn, uh, they are super scrappy. They've got a really good defensive rating. Colin Sexton uh, is probably another one I, I sort of underestimated. I didn't I didn't quite know yeah. how good he'd be in the league, yeah. and he's he's he you know in terms of the way Devin Booker isn't stepping it up, uh, Colin Sexton does seem to be.
1: Yeah. No. Absolutely. And I I think a lot of people, myself included, as well. Are sort of uh, arriving at the idea of what Colin Sexton could be in the league and you know the Cavs have to be thrilled obviously it's a great you know that was a big win for them you know not only because Brooklyn had its big three on the floor for the first time but also because you're still missing Darius Garland out of that lineup so Colin Sexton definitely uh, looks like he could be that dude for these Cavs and I thought it was interesting down the stretch that uh, Jared Allen played in favor of Andre Drummond. I was curious to see how that dynamic was going to play out because obviously it needed to play out sooner rather than later. And, you know, we shall see how that sort of uh, goes because that can impact a number of teams around the league. Uh, Probably not the Lakers. I can't imagine the Cavs are simply going to buy out Drummond given the amount of money they're paying him. But if he were to become bought out, boy almighty, (laughs) would he be a wonderful fit on this team, don't don't you think? Oh yeah, for sure.
2: Yeah, the the Cavs so, with the three centers was was a was a puzzling one, and yeah, it seems like they might hang on to JaVale. and yeah, it's they seem to have made their 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 decision as far as Jared Allen or Andre Drummond at least tonight.
1: Absolutely, and you know, I, all right. So we, I got I got one negative in. Um, I'm gonna sneak in one more, and it's it's sort of about the team in general, and I'm gonna go the Hawks. What the hell, man!
2: yeah I mean, I I mean, people thought they might have stepped up a little bit this season. I didn't quite know if they were there yet. Um, yeah, but I mean, to either to not really take any steps forward at all and or to really to to be just kind of stand pat is a little confusing.
1: I think you know, look, there there are five hundred team. I think you know, I personally expected a little bit better. You can't control injuries, and I understand that. But, you know, Gallinari in particular, you could have probably predicted that. That said, you know, they obviously have a lot of talent. But I think there's something about this Trey-John Collins issue that isn't going away. Trey is, is hasn't exactly been the uh, prince of efficiency. And John Collins is, is not exactly being John Collins. Clint Capella has been putting up numbers. But John Collins is, has been more more noteworthy for the drink than for the nba player right now
2: yeah he's uh he's been disappointing a oh, little that's bit.
1: tom collins my bad yeah well, oh well <laughs> yeah.
2: yeah uh yeah he he gets in foul trouble pretty easily when he you know i know, I know from a dfs standpoint anytime you play him you're the, the one thing you're worried about is whether or not um uh, you know collins is going to get two fouls in the first quarter which he's which he's gotten a lot this season so yeah he hasn't really given himself a lot of opportunity to play just because of the his he's undisciplined defensively
1: yeah so you know i know a lot of people in fantasy and reality have high hopes for him and if he really did reject a contract extension offer in the neighborhood of 90 million dollars over four years you know he's he'll certainly have an interesting market this off season, although i'm sure it will be there so we shall see how it plays out. As for the Lakers, JC, just to wrap this one up, I feel like I need to see more KCP. I feel like I need to see probably a little bit more of that Trez-AD lineup just so AD can you know, play the five in that scenario and, and, and Trez can play the four, at least on paper. I'm still curious to see what that looks like and what the Lakers sort of spacing possibilities are around those two. And I just need to see greater effort, man. I need to see more... Cha cha in the step from this team that, that I've been seeing on a consistent basis. They started to do, uh, you know, properly, they started to sort of reverse it, but I really was disappointed with the step back versus Golden State.
2: Yeah, I mean, it was a disappointing step back, but, you know, they, they had an undefeated record last season with leads in, going into the fourth quarter, and that was bound to stop at some point. Um, I don't know how many teams have done, well, I, I guess no teams have ever done that before, and so, yeah, that was bound to stop at some point. But yeah, the the experimentation with the rotate with the rotations is still going to happen. But yeah, you want to get more solidified in, in your in your roles and where everything is going to be. Tht
1: I feel like we'd be remiss not to talk about it. Any idea of him returning
2: to the rotation for you in the picture here? Uh, I think as. I mean, it's hard to say just because Kuzma has been excelling in his role and Caruso as well has been excelling in running the offense, and so that does sort of limit THT's opportunities And that if he's not going to run the offense and if he's not going to be that defensive stopper that gets rebounds the way Kuzma has been, yeah, there there may not be as much of a place for him consistently as we thought. There will be nights for him, but not every night.
1: I would agree with that. It's going to be tough for him to crack the regular rotation right now, especially with the way that the Lakers are stacked in terms of their depth. So we shall see how it shakes out. But Tht probably on ice right now, even though he was on fire in the preseason. All right. So the Lakers take on the Bucks. They take on the Bulls, and then looking ahead, it's the Cavs. But we're looking for the Lakers to come out, make a statement against the uh, against the Brewers, please, against the Bucks, both in Milwaukee. and then keep that same energy up. Got to commit to defense first because, as Frank Vogel says, that's the identity. Until next time, of course, you can follow us on Twitter at HoopBallLakers. Follow the whole HoopBall family at HoopBallTweets, at HoopBallFantasy. He's at JC on one on Twitter. I'm at Ethan underscore Noroff. We'll talk to you soon. We out.